Hello and welcome to the Katie Halper Show. On today's episode, I speak to Tara Reed, a California-based victims' rights advocate and activist. Last spring, after Nevada politician Lucy Flores shared that Biden had touched her inappropriately, Tara was one of seven women who came forward to discuse Joe Biden of similar misbehavior. At the time, she totaled the local reporter that when she worked as a staff assistant for Joe Biden's Senate office in the early 90s, he would put his hands on her shoulder, run his fingers up and down her neck. Almost immediately after sharing her own story, Tara was doxxed and smeared. There was more to Tara's story than she had revealed, but she felt too vulnerable to tell it. Then in January, she approached Time's Up, the nonprofit organization which helps women share their Me Too stories. As we now know from a March 24th Ryan Grimm article at The Intercept, Time's Up told Tara they couldn't help her because funding a Me Too allegation against Joe Biden could threaten their tax-exempt status. As Grimm also points out, the public relations firm that works on behalf of the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund is SKD Knickerbocker, whose managing director, Anita Dunn, is the top advisor to Biden's presidential campaign. Tara finally tells her story for the first time on this interview. I spoke to her this week, and I want to warn listeners that Tara describes an alleged sexual assault. There were no witnesses, but her close friend and her brother, both of whom I spoke to, remember Tara telling them about the incident at the time. You will hear a few beeps during the episode. That's where I beeped out the name of one of Tara's immediate superiors. So Tara Reed, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, Where would you like to start? Where does the story start for you? Um, Well, the story starts when I went to work for Joe Biden. That was um, in uh, 92. And so I was hired um, that fall, the year that Bill Clinton um, was inaugurated as our president. So I was in, uh, before that, I was out West and I had worked on a congressional race. Um, Before I was working in politics, I was... um, an actress and a model, and I had studied classically, and I really loved the arts, and I come from a family of arts and activists and whatnot. And um, then I got interested in college in political science, and I went and interned for Leon Panetta when he was a congressman and worked on an animal rights issue that ended up being um, put into law and signed into law. So it was very exciting, and it was a very successful experience. And then um, when I applied for Joe Biden's office, I had a phone interview. And then they um, offered to interview me in person. And so I went out to DC. And I interviewed in person. And when I was there, uh, the scheduler interviewed me. And uh, Joe Biden happened to walk Breeze past. And he uh, saw me. And uh, she introduced me. And we were in the inner kind of alcove office. And uh, he asked me my name. I told him and he said, oh, that's a good Irish name. And she offered to him, hey, she worked as an intern for Leon Panetta. And he's like, oh, he's a good guy. And then he looked back and smiled at me and said, hire her. Mm. And then away. And um, the scheduler looked at me and said, I guess you're hired. Mm. <laughs> so, what was the position for? It was for a staff assistant position. So I, um, you know, pretty low on the totem pole, but you're able to like work through it. So I was working with um, the intern. So I supervised the intern program and um, made made sure like, you know, all the mail was distributed where it was supposed to. The interns did that and trained them and worked um, for legislative aides. I would like help go to a hearing and take notes or 
write oh, something. That's kind of fun. Yeah. So it's sort of like you just did what you had to do. All hands on deck sort of. attitude. Mm-hmm. And you were how old at this point? Mid 20s. And how long did you work for Biden in total? Nine months. You um, would later come forward after Lucy Flores came forward about something that happened um, in 93. Yes. And I actually did come forward um, in 93, but not to the press, but I, I went through protocol and complaint. What was your complaint about? Sexual harassment. Um, I did not uh, complain formally about the other piece of what happened that I'll talk about in a few minutes, but um, I talked about what was witnessed. Um, and uh, the general atmosphere of the office, the way I was treated, because I would see him at meetings and he would basically put his hands on me, put his hands on my shoulder, um, run his finger on my neck. He was very like handsy with a lot of people, mm-hmm. but like with, it, it's it's like what I had, and I, I have said this that's in the press before from the last time, um, it, it, it made me feel like, an inanimate object. I didn't feel like a person. He mm-hmm. he didn't like make conversation with me or talk with me or ask me anything relevant. It was just, you know, it, it was definitely that kind of vibe. So it was uncomfortable. So it was really after that incident when I walked in and everyone was arguing, I was called into the office and I was very nervous because I thought I did something wrong. Like, I remember feeling almost sick to my stomach, nervous. Like, you know, this was a big deal getting called in rather than them just coming and talking to me. When I walked in, people's voice were raised. They were arguing and that there was a legislative assistant. She was a senior aide. Um, she worked on women's issues, I believe, among other issues. I know judiciary issues for sure. But anyway, she turned to me and she... Um, he said, the senator thinks that you have, um, that you're pretty and that you have nice legs and he wants you to serve drinks at this event, fundraising event. And you don't have to do that, Tara. You don't, you know, that's not part of your job. And then the scheduler came in right after she kind of interrupted her in the middle of what she was saying and then said whatever she said. And I can't remember everything that was exchanged, but basically then everyone kind of looked at me. And I just froze because I didn't know what to say to anybody. And um, it was uncomfortable. And I knew that no matter what I decided to do, um, I was going to either, you know, make my my immediate supervisor very unhappy or I was going to look bad in the eyes of this person, the legislative you know, assistant who was sticking up for me, obviously, and didn't think I should be objectified. So it was a, it was a strange position to be in. And I just left. I didn't say anything actually. And, um, I called my mom and she was very adamant that I document it and file a report. And she said, you know, and her exact words were, and I remember because we got into like a little bit of an argument about it, but she said, um, you just march in there and you tell them this is sexual harassment and, you know, and you file a complaint. And I tried to explain to my mother that it wasn't easy. You couldn't just march into Ted Kaufman's office, who was the chief of staff, and that there was a protocol and that there was a way to to do that. And my mother was very, um, she just said, you know, you tend to be a little passive sometimes, you know, sometimes you stand up for yourself, but sometimes, you know, you, you let people take advantage of you. You need to stand up and you need to address this. So I already kind of had those feelings, but that was 
that point, I knew I, I wanted to, to look at taking some action. So I did a, a non-formal thing by just going to my supervisor. That's when I was met with some of her attitude about the whole thing. Like, why wasn't I complimented? You know, you know, that people would be flattered to be liked by Joe Biden. And, you know, what basically she was also admonishing me to keep my head down if I wanted to last. She said that a couple of times. And um, she took me in the hallway a couple of times and just was very, you know, kind of chewed me out a few times. Um, and nothing was in writing. But the time from, frame for me from this event to when I met him with the gym bag and the incident is compressed for me. And I don't know like how much time passed, but I do know a couple of things happened between those two events. One of them that was significant was being told I had to dress differently. And then I was too provocative. And that was by the assistant and by the scheduler. And, uh, and they were finding fault with my work all the time, like every little thing. And it was almost to the point where three or four times a day, there would be something, something, something wrong. And um, my mother, I would call my mom just one day in tears, you know, and she was like, you know, this is retaliation. They know that you want to file something, you know, you've already, you're going through the motions. Cause I, I had gone as far as to talk to Ted, to Dennis Toner, who was the next person up after. Um, and Dennis Toner then was below Ted Kaufman. And you know, there was just like this protocol you followed. And uh, I eventually did talk to Ted Kaufman. Um, and Dennis Toner and shortly then wasn't even talking to me anymore. They, they, it was Dennis Toner that dealt with me, mm -hmm. you know, up to this point working for Biden had been kind of tense, how his public persona is very different than what mm -hmm. he's like to work. It's more like working for a corporation. It's very, um, top down and it's very, um, tense and, uh, he's not, he doesn't treat his staff that well. So in my opinion, that was my experience of it and some other people that were complaining about it and would leave abruptly. In fact, the position that I had, they were having trouble keeping a person in it. Um, mm. So I don't know what that's about, but that's one of the things that the interview they made clear is that people kept leaving and that they wanted me to stay and asking if I had plans to stay. And I said, yes, that I wanted to make a career on the Hill and that I eventually like to run for office someday. I mean, mm. that was my, and when I came in, it was at this beautiful time, you know, this is before all the scandals, before the impeachment of Clinton. This is when he first was president. I got to go to the inauguration. I got to go to the inaugural balls because I was working for Senator Biden. And it was this magical time in a sense. I walked the Bridge of Hope, got to meet Maya Angelou, which is one of the highlights of my life. And it was just amazing and, and wonderful. So I, I was like a puppy and with enthusiasm, you know, right. this was a dream job. I was so happy to be there. So I just went in with the attitude of doing everything I could to be, you know, a good employee to be there. And I was very excited and honored to be there. And so did you serve drinks at that event? I did not. Okay. So, okay. It, it kind of just went away. Right. I, I said no. And then when I said no, there was, I sort of got attitude about it. And then um, I pushed back on another thing that had nothing to do with, um, you know, sexual harassment. I pushed back about the intern program because I was given a stack by Ted Kaufman, the chief of staff of resumes. And he told me, he directed me firmly to hire DuPont um, employees, children only. Wow. 
I pushed back and I said, I want to hire, we need more diversity and I want to hire some women and I want to hire from other places. Like you hired me. And then after this whole conversation, I was like, how did I get hired? I'm not from Delaware. I'm right. from West Coast. Like, right. So, um, so he said 50%. So he relented 50% and it was still just strange. So I'd have these interns that were more diverse and working class. And then I had these really privileged um, interns. So it was that kind of stuff was happening. So there was like regular work challenges happening, right? So how much interacting did you have with Biden? I would, well, it's because I was there, I would see him um, on and off quite a bit, but wouldn't necessarily talk with him. He was always breezing out, breezing in with his people that would stay around him, usually the upper level staff. Um, and they usually kind of kept right with him. So, um, but once in a while I would see him and he would, um, just do that thing that guys do, you know, when they look you up and down and then smile and stuff, it just was obnoxious. I mean, I, and back then I just accepted it for what it was. When I talked about this discomfort that I had, I was really timid about it. I found myself getting more and more like withdrawn and timid about, um, speaking out because of the atmosphere and because so closed down about hearing about it. She would just be like, you know, one of the things she said to me was, you know, the Senator likes you, you know, most women would, would really like that attention. She goes, you know, I don't understand your attitude. Like what is the problem? So it was, it was, you know, I definitely felt, um, started feeling like I just didn't really belong there. It definitely wasn't a progressive office. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely not like that then. I don't know what it would be like now, but um I then the incident when I talked about um the discomfort, like I said, I was told to just do what I was told. And mm-hmm. then it wasn't too long after that that <laughs> called me in and said, I want you to take this to Joe. He wants it. He wants you to bring it. Hurry. And I said, okay. And it was a gym bag. She said, you know, take the gym bag. She called it athletic bag. And, um, you know, she said he was down towards the Capitol and he'll meet you. And so I went down and I was heading down towards there. And he was at first talking to someone. I could see him at a different distance and then they went away. And then, um, we were in like the side, it, it was like the side area. And, um, he was, he just said, Hey, come here, Tara. And then I, I handed him the thing and he greeted me. He remembered my name. And then it, we were alone and it was the strangest thing. There was no like exchange really. He just had me up against the wall and, um, I was wearing like a skirt and, you know, like business skirt, but I wasn't wearing stockings. It was kind of a hot day that day. And I was wearing heels. And I remember my legs had been hurting from the marble, you know, of the Capitol, mm-hmm. like walking. And I, so I remember that kind of stuff. I remember like that, and it was kind of an unusually warm day. And I remember I was wearing a blouse and he just had me up against the wall and the wall was cold. And I remember he, it happened all at once. The gym bag I don't know where it went. I handed it to him. It was gone. And then his hands were on me and underneath my clothes. And, um, yeah. And then he went, oh, he went down my skirt, but then up inside it. And he, uh, penetrated me with his fingers, whatever. And, um, I, 
uh, he was kissing me at the same time and he was saying something to me. He said several things and I can't remember everything he said. I remember a couple of things. I remember him saying first, before, like as he was doing it, do you want to go somewhere else? And then him saying to me when I pulled away, he um, got finished doing what he was doing and I kind of was pulled back and he said, he said, come on, man, I heard you liked me. Mm. And um, it's that phrase stayed with me because I kept thinking what I might have said. And I can't remember exactly if he said I thought or if I heard, but it, it's like he implied like he like that I had done this. Like, I don't know. And for me, it was like every everything shattered in that moment because I knew like we were alone. It was over. Right. He wasn't trying to do anything more, but it's I looked up to him. He was like my father's age. He was this champion of women's rights in my eyes. And I couldn't believe it was happening. It didn't see, it seems surreal. And I, I just, I knew, I, I just felt sick because he, when he pulled back, he looked annoyed and he looked, and he said um, something else to me that I, I don't want to say. And then he said, I must have looked shocked and he grabbed me by the shoulders. I don't know how I looked, but I must have looked something because he grabbed me by the shoulders and he said, you're okay. You're fine. You're okay. You're fine. And then, um, he walked away and he went on with his day. And what I remember next is being in the Russell building, like where the big windows are and the stairs by myself and my, and my body, I was shaking everywhere because, and it was cold all of a sudden. And I was, I don't know. I felt like I was shaking just everywhere. And I was trying to grasp what had just happened and what I should do or what I should say. But I knew it was bad because he was so angry. Like when he left, like I could feel, you know, how, when you know, someone's angry, they mm. don't necessarily to say anything. Like he smiles when he's angry and you can just feel it emanating from him. Like, right. So then I went home and, um, I called my mom because, um, I didn't know who else to call. And she was wanting me to go make a police report. Like right then my mom was very adamant that I do that. And, um, very strong about me doing that. And I said, no. And we had like an argument about it. Um, and she, I said, mom, you can't do that. And she had known about the other stuff and had encouraged me to document it, which I did and go to the protocol about the sexual harassment. And then after this incident, I, I did follow her instructions and do that part. Hmm. But I didn't talk about what happened and I was too, I tried to bring it up to um, later and she just wouldn't hear it. She like shut me down before I could even get there and um, said, I can't believe you're trying to bring, bring things like this up. And she said, how can I bring this to Ted Kaufman? He'll just think we're all on our periods. Wow. And she could tell you were talking about something more than the harassment or she was just saying that about the harassment. Um, I don't know. I don't, I can't. I, I, I can't project onto like what that conversation was because I was starting to tell her she didn't know. I didn't tell her. I started to try to go right. there and she like, shut it down. Right. Got it. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear this. Like, that's enough. Like, you know, kind of basically letting me know, like, if I didn't like it, I could just go. And so I it wasn't too long after um, when I would see Biden after that, um, he would just not look at me not he looked angry like he would get this look on his face and like, like look you know how someone walks by you instead of greeting you and smiling like they normally do they won't look at you yeah. he was pissed right so then 
the final interaction I had was, it was a mandatory meeting um, where I had to be there and he came up behind me and put his hand on my shoulder and then put his um, thumb or finger, I don't even know what, but up and down my neck in the back. I have thick hair and it's in the back of my hair. And, and I remember I just froze because I didn't know what that meant. And it just was uncomfortable. And I, again, told my mom about it because it was just weird. And mom said, you know, that's just um, power. He's trying to dominate you. So this was after, because this was after the assault had happened? Wow. Yeah, yeah. That was the last kind of time I ever really interacted. Because they they put me in a um, windowless office. I didn't have the one with the window anymore. I had, And I was cut off from staff. I was not supervising the interns anymore. I was not doing, I was literally, my job was to show up and just look for another job. I wasn't allowed to go to legislative hearings, nothing. So. But the chronology was that I was then looking for a job. And in June, I was volunteering for the RFK Memorial, the 25th anniversary. I did the VIP tent. And I was talking to Kennedy's, a person in Kennedy's office who was trying to help me backdoor, trying to like, like get them to stop what they were doing. And anyway, technically, I think um, my Senate record goes till August, but I remember leaving before then. Um, so, and I didn't have a job. I couldn't get a job. Um, once like word got around unofficially about my trying to file a complaint, filling out a form and stuff, it's like, I, no one, no one on the Hill. Uh, usually I would get like, when I would send out resumes, I would get responses right away. I just want to make sure I'm clear on this. You consider like rep reporting the harassment? I did try to complain about the harassment internally, but I was going through protocol. You go to your supervisor first, then to Dennis Towner, then to Ted Kaufman. Like I was following the protocol, how you did it. Right. Yeah. Um, but um, they didn't do anything. Right. And then it got worse. And then that happened. So then I went outside and tried and there was like this office set up and I can't remember if it was in the Rayburn movie, Rayburn office building, or if it was in the, or I, it was, it seemed to me like it was in a congressional office building, not the Russell, Russell Senate, um, Longworth or Rayburn. And it was this little tiny office and you go up and there was literally a clipboard and I filled out a form and someone kind of was just at the window, but it was weird and it wasn't very confidential and it was just odd. So I filled out the form and I know it existed. Um, they took it and then I don't know what happened to it. Um, so I've tried to track that form down and I was told it was probably returned to Biden's office. So it's an archival material. Okay. So, okay. So you, there's sexual harassment that you witness and experience or you go through protocol, then nothing happens. Then, um, you are, you have the incident in the alcove with Biden. You tell your mom, she encourages you to file a police report. You say, no, but I will do something external about the harassment, not the assault. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I thought about trying to talk about it. I did. I tried. I just couldn't. I couldn't. Even now, like, I, it's so hard. Uh, and I don't. And I mean, I, I've worked as an advocate for domestic violence cases and help kids and I help, you know, whatever. But it's just. Um, there's just there was no framework back then. And right. To be really clear, I my mom educated me after it happened that it was sexual assault. I felt I felt like it was my fault, like mm. that I didn't need to bring it on. And the reason I, when after the whole drinks serving the drinks thing happened, um, 
things got really tense for me. And it's like my supervisor kept finding fault with my work. Like all of a sudden I was doing things wrong all of a sudden. Mm. And then she took me aside and sent in an assistant and said, we want you to wear different clothes. You need to button up more. You need to wear longer skirts. Like, in other words, she, and she said, don't look so sexy. She was like really blatant about it. And she goes, try not to be so noticed. You're too noticeable. The other person was more awkward about it. She was just like, um, it's not coming from me, but they're telling you to wear longer skirts and button up more. And, and you're a little too provocative right. is the word she used. Right. Whatever. So, and I was like, oh, this is, this is weird. So I told my mom that, and she goes, that's retaliation. They're trying to retaliate. You need to document everything. And my mom was very like adamant. Um, and I wasn't, and I was like, mom, and she, my mom even said, you march in there and you tell them this is sexual harassment and you don't take it. I'm like, you don't march into Ted Kaufman's office and, and you don't do that. And I'm not, I just wasn't comfortable. I said, I'll never, I'll never be able to get a job on the Hill again. And it didn't matter because I couldn't anyway. So so th- those are my memories of the the kind of the overarching retaliation piece. But again, it started as a verbal complaints and then escalated to written. They did threaten to write me up about what I was wearing. And I was just wearing like, you know, suits, like your average, like, you know, skirt, blouse, sometimes a blazer, whatever. But I don't know. They, you know, it, they were nice, I guess. I didn't have that many outfits. Like I wasn't, you know, I had like, um, just a basic wardrobe that I would interchange, but you know, it's, it's now I look at it, it's laughable. They were just turning it around on me. Right. You know, I was, I just, cause I was wearing like Navy blue and black and pinstripe, you know, back then pinstripes were okay. And I don't know why, but, um, nothing wrong with pinstripes. <laughs> so, yeah. To be really clear, I started out with just on my end, I like documented my mom was like forcing me to like, and I was even keeping a journal at the time. Um, Which you don't have anymore, right? No, I don't. I wish I did. I just never thought this would ever come up again. And um, there's, there's many things from my youth that I don't have. And I wish I did. But yeah, but um, she um, was kind of telling me what I needed to do. She predicted that they would retaliate and she was absolutely right. I didn't think they would. For some reason, I was just in this, like, I just thought it would go away. Like after the drinks thing, I thought, well, you know, when he gets the message, I'm not interested, or I'm not like one of those people that just wants to try to make contacts that way. It'll just go away. But it didn't, it got worse. And they really took an attitude with me. It was almost hostile. It was like, angry almost from from upper level staff like I just wasn't cooperating the way they wanted me to right so to be really clear it was written I mean it was verbal excuse me and then after the incident is when I went outside the incident the assault incident yes okay yeah um after the assault I went outside you know the sphere of the office for help and um, that's when I sought out that little room that I filled out a form. It was just a form. And then didn't really know what to do after that. I talked to my friend who worked in Kennedy's office. And then she tried to talk to somebody there to see, you know, like she wasn't sure what to do either. And again, I was pretty, like I told her, but it was like, it had this, the assault had back then, it's very, it was very difficult. It still is difficult for me to discuss 
openly. And um, back then it was just, I, it was really hard. And so I would talk around it. My mom kind of pulled it out of me. I didn't give her a lot of details at first. She kind of took her like an hour and she got, I, I became like physically ill right. for a couple I, I was like, I, I don't know. I, I completely like curled up and um, I called her crying and she was really concerned. So you, you called her? Called her and cried and told her part of it, like talked around it. And then she got me to say the words. So what you did know? you say at first? First, I said there was something happened at work. It was kind of bad. And she said, kind of bad. What does that mean? And she kept like, you know, asking me questions. And then finally I said, well, I hadn't, I had an encounter with Senator Biden and it was, it was, it, it, I just, I don't know what to do. And she said, what do you mean an encounter? What does that mean? And, and I said, well, she said, and then she got impatient. <laughs> Tara, just tell me what you're talking about. And, um, Anyway, I don't remember how the whole conversation went from there, but I basically then gave her the, you know, the layout. Um, and she was, you know, furious. Like she wanted to call the police. Yeah. And then she was like, you know, she was a mom and she was just like, this is, that's a saw. And I was like, no, it's not. I, I did something. He said, he thought, you know, that I liked him. And I was like trying, I almost like was defending him. It yeah. was bizarre right. because I was just, I think I was kind of in shock too. Right. And, um, I think that I kept thinking if I just, I, I wanted it to just go away. Mm -hmm. I wanted to just be, to be back to where I was first in that office and like, you know, nothing ever happened, yeah. but it wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't, uh, I was in denial, I guess. Yeah. It's interesting. So both at the time and then moving forward, you were okay with, um, and I think it's understandable, but I just want you to ex like explain it to people who may not understand. But you, you were it was much easier for you to talk about the harassment than the assault um, because you you talked you came forward about the harassment, uh, you filed the, an external report, um, and not about the assault. And then jumping forward decades, you when after Lucy Flores came forward, you shared about the harassment, but not the assault. Can, what's the difference? But I just want to make sure that people who don't get it, get it. it it's, it's a, it's a very good point. I, last April, um, I saw the way the press was tearing Lucy Flores apart. And a friend of mine had even called me who went through who I had told about the assault when it happened. So she was like, kind of like one night when I was like sobbing and like, like knowing I wasn't, it wasn't just the trauma of what happened because of him. It was because I knew my career was over. Like that was it. Like mm -hmm. I didn't comply. I insulted him. And he's one of the most powerful people in the world. And at the time, the chairman of the judiciary, like there's like, I just really felt scared and sad and whatever. So she, she kind of, she called me and she said, Hey, you know, on the news, they're saying no employees of Biden came forward. And what do you, you know, trying to leave me? Like, oh, and then my daughter knew about it and my daughter's grown now. She's not, you know, um, a child. Like when Obama was elected, you know, and I guess I should share this and I don't mind sharing it. It's, um, I'm a lifelong Democrat and my mom was a Democrat. And I mean, like, 
I, it's what I believe in. And I voted for Obama. Biden happened to be on the ticket. Um, there was no way I would come forward then because my daughter was in junior high and junior high is junior high. You don't yeah. like, I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't even know if people would care and there was no framework for that anyway. Right. Um, me too. Plus I really believed in Obama. I just was so happy about him and his, his platform. He was a, a an activist in Chicago. I'd heard an organizer in Chicago and that would, my mom had, you know, that background of being an activist and I, I trusted him. Yeah. So I, I thought this will be a great president. And he was. So um, moving forward to this April, when Lucy Flores was being so torn apart in the press and like Whoopi Goldberg was making that comment publicly about someone put your hand on your shoulder, you just turn around, you tell them, take it off. And I was like, oh, oh, that's cringe, cringeworthy. Yeah. Like if you work for them, you don't. Yeah. And in a sense, like she had been supported by him politically. So it's like he was he was endorsing her. So right. And she. Come, yeah, like she, there was Lucy a power. Flores, yeah. Yeah. And what I notice is he seems to do this a lot with mm. women with power differentials. So now I'm educated about that. I wasn't yeah. when I was. And um, I, I just I didn't like that. And so I thought, OK. And so the in, um, insinuation was like, look, if this is a guy who does that so much, why is it not? Some, why didn't people who work for him experience that? That's what they were saying, right? Yeah. And I've had more than one person say, oh, well, do you have more women? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, we don't like all talk in a group. Like, okay, look, no, that, <laughs> I mean, I don't, that's so absurd. Like it, now, I guess because of the Weinstein case or other cases, they're thinking they're half that we move in throng. Well, and this is the thing I, and I want to make this really clear. This has been excruciating for me because I, I liked Biden. I yeah. mean, not in a way, right? Not romantically, yeah. I, he was a, a a powerful figure for me. He was, you know, I was his subordinate. I was hoping to have a career in the Senate. I wanted to be a senator. I didn't want to sleep with one. I wanted to be taken seriously. I wanted to have a full career and be mentored. And the people that worked around him were brilliant. Like there's some really brilliant legislative assistants. So it was a collective thing. It wasn't just him, right? Right excruciating for me is that, you know, he's not like some horrible monster. He's done really good things. And yeah. so as you get older, you realize many things can be true at once. Like yeah. people do cool stuff and then do really yucky stuff. Right. Um, I just, it's been excruciating because I, I don't want to say, I don't, it's, it's a hard subject still. Mm. And you know, there's the mean to movement. It's still, like what happened to me in April when I did come forward um, was uh, I was just totally decimated online on social media and my reputation was, was torn apart. Um, it's a daily dot article called liberal conspiracy calls um, accuser Russian agent, something like that. But um, so who did you go forward to at this point? When you, when you uh, saw Lucy Flores being torn oh. Apart. I saw Lucy Flores. Oh, well, there, we have a local paper and um, the someone was in my writing group knew about it and said, hey, would you talk to a reporter? And and I said, oh, I don't know. Let me think about it. And I said, OK, you know, if they call me. And they did like a week later, they called me. And so I accepted the call. And then um, and I even emailed Lucy Flores. I emailed her and said, hey, I'm sorry. This happened to me. And I sent her and she goes, really, would you talk to someone? And she gave me someone in The Washington Post. And then they never really followed up. And what was it like when you told your your story uh, at this point, just the uh, harassment story? 
Well, I was going to tell the whole thing. I was going to try. And then I, I mean, I was going to just tell the whole facts, like the whole thing, the whole history with Biden. But the way I was being questioned, um, it, it, it made me so uncomfortable that I didn't trust it. And no, no offense to the reporters out there. It's just um, maybe that's something that can be learned how to talk to somebody because I just really got shut down. And um, and the narrative really wanted to be that it wasn't like a sexual thing. Right. Like, don't be sexual. Like, don't say it's. For, and so I was like, OK, I guess I can't really say the whole story, mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole history. I can't tell it. It was hard. Um, but then I, I was afraid to. And then um, rightly so, because just the portion that came out. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You got attacked so, on that. Yeah. I mean, just the portion that came out was like, um, I, I mean, they, they literally the, the paper hadn't even had the article yet. It was just on the, I guess on the AP wire, I hadn't even seen the article yet and I was already getting smeared online. So I didn't even know where it was. I assume the AP wire. I don't know. Um, yeah, it made me very angry. So I went through that and then I was kind of relieved that, you know, had I come out with the whole thing, I don't even know. Cause I received death threats. I received like calls in the middle of the night. There was a thread about me called Alexander Trader Reed. And, oh, my God. And then um, I was trying to do freelance work. And uh, it's a hard thing to, to when people Google your name. Like, they would find all kinds of weird things said about me. So as soon as you Google my name. So and then the whole Biden thing. And people that are very for Biden, it's it's just it, it gives me it's it's just so political and so loud right now that, yeah, it was. And we're kind of culture of gladiators thumbs up thumbs down yeah i think that people maybe don't get that it's very it's there's a big difference between like a physical violation and like putting having someone put their hand inside you and being asked to serve drinks or being looked up and down or um you know running his your his hand through your hair not that, that that any of those things are good things but there is a big difference it, it it was like almost like creating the more the boundary was crossed the more that was there but i think he was looking for me to be a willing participant um right. as well and and i think he was used to that happening maybe and i just wasn't and i think pushing back on being objectified plus i went out with i had a boyfriend i went out with boys my own age in their 20s i didn't go out with older married men not that he was trying to go out with me. There was no conversations about this. So I don't want to like right. mis- misrepresent again. it. I'm just saying yeah. that people, I think, they'll be like, well, why don't you tell the whole thing when you did? But it's once much more of a violation. I can I can tell you that I still have nightmares sometimes. And even now, like years later, when you suffer something like that, it's it's like, I mean, when you look at it clinically, it seems like, well, what's it's it's a terrible thing, but why not? you know, just get over it, like whatever. But the whole thing was, I never got any justice. I never would. I lost my career. I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't choose that situation. I didn't want him to look at me in an objectifying way. By doing that, he minimized me. He minimized my worth as at the workplace. He minimized me as a woman. And I thought he was a champion of women. So it was for me, not just the violation, but the violation of my principles of like my belief system. I believed in him. Yeah. And, and he was my boss. Like he had power over me. So to say no was such a hard thing. And I knew I insulted him and I didn't want him to be insulted, but it was so awkward. 
I, if I had known how the atmosphere was, if somebody had tipped me off and no one did, I would have never applied. I would have gone to a different office. I would have worked for one of the other congressmen or senators or congresswomen, right. um, like Maxine Waters, who was in California at the time. Because, you know, I, I came from Panetta's office, so I was used to the professional office, and there was none of that um, nonsense there. Like, there was not that. There yeah. was not a atmosphere. Um, I found out later that there was kind of a known vibe there. Um, like, he was known to, to like, women in a certain way. Biden was. Yeah, yeah. Biden. Not Panetta, yeah. And so then, okay, so what happens to make you tell your the full story now? I think it's, well, my daughter's grown. Right. She's grown now. And so back last April when I told that portion and then got such backlash, I didn't feel comfortable telling the whole thing. And then I thought, well, okay, just, it's just, I'll help people in other ways. Like Hmm. I'll help victims of sexual assault. Like, I mean, I'll just help in other ways. And that's what I've done before instead of, you know, trying to. Was it that you felt guilty not coming forward or was it that, well, this is the justice I'll, I'll get, which is by helping others. I think kind of both. Mm. Um, it's not like I felt guilty. I felt when it happened at the time, I don't want to be confusing. When it happened at the time, I really internalized it and felt like it was my fault. Right. Right. Yeah. I really you felt, felt like I wanted Right. But this is a different guilt that I was asking about, which is like a, oh, I have not spoken out about this person guilt. Right. I yeah. wasn't brave enough. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I felt more not so much guilty as disappointed in myself yeah. that I just have the guts to say the words, but it's almost like. I would try to say the words and I couldn't get there. I don't yeah. know how to really describe it, except it was deeply personal and it's, it makes you very vulnerable. And, um, I still, you know, I'm sharing the facts, but like, there's little things that are, you know, I keep to myself because it's no one's business. It's not going to be like, you know, a police investigation. It's, I'm never going to sue whatever, you know, it's, it's past the statute of limitations. Mm. I'm doing this for the next generation. I'm doing this for my daughter because the generation that we're in, that I'm in, you're younger than me. Um, we need to stop this. We need to stop thinking that because someone's powerful, we can't speak out and we can't be safe in our workspace. You know, we need, we need that place, that framework to be able to speak out. And mm. that's why I feel so adamant about it because I thought he was going to drop out and he didn't. And the idea, can you imagine for me to see the person who did that? And then not only did that, but he never apologized. He never acknowledged it. He never said, I'm sorry. And even like, okay, like even if he's in denial about what he did, right. And doesn't remember it or doesn't want to, whatever it is. The sexual harassment was witnessed by so many people. It was like a thing, like, why wouldn't his campaign have called me and said, we're sorry. And they're supposed to be championing women's rights. Why wouldn't they reach out to me? Why wasn't there some healing or conciliatory action? And there never was then in 92, 93. And there isn't now. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ugly. It's, it's, um, and you went, so then you came, you went forward, you came forward to, to whom to it's January, right? Now we're January, 2019, uh, 2020. Correct. And yes. um, when, I mean, at this point, was Biden wasn't even doing that well, so. No, I, he wasn't, but I really wanted to address what he did. And I, yeah. I figured, I actually did contact, um, I contacted Time's Up. 
um, which is an organization for women that helps them get resources if you apply um, for legal resources and to help you. I got a hold of Time's Up. They were very, um, they took my case. And um, after they took my case, they contacted lawyers they, to see if there was conflicts. Um, some replied. And then, then when they heard about the full thing, the full account, they were worried about it. Um, but, but one of them was going to take it. But then two of his partners in another state were working in the Virginia Biden campaign. Mm. He said, OK, if, if Biden's probably going to drop out after Virginia, I can represent you then. Wow. Well, then he never did because of Biden didn't drop out. Right. And then Time's Up got a hold of me that, and said that their lawyers told them their 501c3 would be at risk um, because it's a presidential campaign and it's too political and Biden was the candidate. Hmm. And um, so they said, we can help you, like, but not with resources. So in other words, I needed a, a lawyer that would be for free, that would just volunteer their services. They couldn't give me their platform. They couldn't do anything as long as Biden was a candidate. So they were just trying to help you find a lawyer whom you'd have to pay? Yeah, and I didn't have the resources to do that. So okay. um, and then, um, you know, they stayed in touch and said they, you know, I pushed back a little and said, I can't help who the person is that right. did this. Where do I go? And, you know, they felt bad, I could tell. And so I don't know if their organization was pressured by the people that fund it mm. or sit on the board or, or they said it was their attorneys who said their 501c3 would be at risk. And I don't know why that would happen. Yeah. But they said it's too political. But I just... I let, I let it go because, um, I mean, I, I'm not trying to trash times up. They're, they're a good organization doing great work. And they even said they believe the veracity of my story. They want to help me and they were trying to quietly, but they just couldn't. So, yeah, so it's been, um, I've been standing alone pretty much. Um, and of course, one of the questions that was asked me was, well, are there more women? And I'm like, I don't, how would I know this? Like, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, it, right. I mean, it's possible there would be and that you would know you would know them. But the but the yeah. insinuation implication is that, like, if you don't, then it's not a real story. I know. And, and like, in, and of in, course, it's possible that there are other people like you and they precisely didn't. I mean, you only shared it with who, your mom and your friend. Right. And my brother. Yeah. And my family. Yeah. My immediate family. But yeah, it's not the that incident. I never shared. I was horrified. Yeah. I was trying to share it with my supervisor in that way of, but I couldn't. So I found my outlet through like the arts or through like horseback riding and stuff like that. And I would just try to be in denial and like, I just want, and I really kind of am a peace loving person. I just love, I just, you know, I'm a vegan hippie kind of person. Yeah, (laughs) I just want everybody to be happy. I want um, people to be in a, better space. I don't want to bring darkness. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt too, that talking about it was, um, harmful. I'm a very, like, I remember Lucy Flores, one thing that struck me watching her and listening to her. And I felt so, um, bad for her because I related to what she was saying. Um, she said, you know, I'm a democratic foot soldier. I, I, cause they were, they were asking why she didn't come sooner. Yeah. But like, what I want to say to people is, why don't we flip the question? It's not about us, what we do, what we wear, what we think, what our politics are, what our dreams are. The question is, why is he doing that? Yeah. 
why well the question is about the person perpetrating whatever that is like what is the pattern and why are they doing that modify the behavior and i know they're trying to get biden to modify his behavior over and over i mean it's obvious like he is i and i'm hoping by coming forward with this and i know it's hard to listen to and it's hard to live in it right but my justice now, the only justice I can have is to be moving freely in the world and to heal mm-hmm. and not be silenced. One of the things I talk about being silenced is when people say, oh, why didn't you come forward? Well, I tried. I went to media outlets like this summer and before January, nobody ever returned my call. Not mm-hmm. one. I went, my, I went to Warren. I wrote a letter to her and I was supportive of her becoming president. I would have loved to have seen a woman president like I wrote her what happened, not, I alluded to it. I didn't write details, but I wrote what there was something wrong here and like wrote about it. No response except a form letter to contact my local representative. I wrote Camilla Harris. I wrote AOC. None of, not one person. I wrote celebrities. I wrote Me Too. I wrote um, Ronan Farrow. I wrote The New Yorker, New York Times, Washington Post. And so I want people to know this. It's not that easy to get your story heard. Not one person answered me. Not mm-hmm. one. Elizabeth Warren was the only one, and that was a form letter. And I felt so alone and isolated. And the only thing that would happen is once in a while, when I would try to put it out like on Twitter, like saying, hey, this is wrong. I'm being called a Russian agent. This happened. Um, Biden's supporters would just write, would say again, you're a Russian agent. You're a bot. Would just write, would say again, you're a Russian agent, mm. you're a bot. Yeah, and I, it's being silenced about sexual assault and sexual harassment. It's like, it's like a slow death, mm. you know? And I'm not gonna let it, I am not gonna let this take me down. I think by shining light on it, I, some people will say it didn't happen and they don't believe me and I don't care. The people that need to hear it will. And the survivors that are being silenced that are out there will hear it and they'll know, okay, we can do this. You can do this. And so I'm telling you, do this. Shine light on it. The last thing people want when they abuse is to be examined. They don't want that. Yeah, it's interesting. So yeah, it's like a different level. So there's the silencing of someone just like your generic run of the mill, sadly, totally predictable silencing of victims, survivors. And then there's this other thing where it's like, now it's a political thing. So you're now um, not just ignored, but you're like smeared as and I guess this is what always happens. It's just a question of how people are smeared. Yeah, almost like McCarthyism or whatever. But and that's before a lot of people's time and my, before both of our times, but people lost their careers. And in fact, I did too. Like, and retaliation yeah. is common from abusers. Right. Um, but, but he used his staff, he used his power, he weaponized it. He, and that's, what's really ugly as far as like, you know, like not only did he weaponize it when I was, I, I was his employee and they retaliated. That's against the law. Right. Like besides like put aside everything else that was against the law the retaliation and what they did to me. I don't even know where to go from here, except that for my own sanity and peace, it's now for the generation behind me, the other people, I'm going to 
take the heat. And believe me, no one on the right likes me. You know, I, I kind of expected trolls or whatever. That's not like, I mean, that hurt. And then it got a little scary, right? Like I got scared. They call it, I found out because I didn't know this, but it's called doxing. Doxing, yeah. Yeah. Well, they found out where I lived. How? And what did they do? Oh, because someone had said they were coming to my house and like you were threatening me on the phone. Um, Did they Mm -hmm. mention where you live? Like, were they right? Yeah. He said, I know you live in, you know, we're coming. You're a traitor. You're a traitor. You better get Putin to protect you. Something like that. And they said crude stuff to me. I can't remember some of it. And then I saved one email that was like a threat. Now, I, at first I was just like, whatever. I just like wanted it away from me. Now I'll document it better. But I just like, I don't, I'm not, I have a law degree, but I don't practice law and I'm into, I help nonprofits. That's what I do. I, um, and I'm an expert witness for Monterey County for the, for domestic violence cases. Um, and so I do that for a stipend kind of, it's almost like a volunteer thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I channel this rage or energy is I, I get other, get, just help other people. Yeah. It's just, and I think that's healthy. Like, I think we all need to hear that right now. Cause we're all kind of right. feeling upset about what's happening as we really should. Um, it's a very hard time. I mean, I know for, for a lot of people. Um, so what I would say is just, you know, sometimes just immersing yourself in something different that has nothing to do with your own life. It helps. Right. It's healing. Yeah, it's true. It's like an antidepressant to help others. And restorative justice is just not always possible. And what I'm hoping is that we can get to a place where sexual harassment and sexual assault is not such a stigma where it's difficult Mm. to talk to about and that there can be restorative justice. It doesn't take 90 women in 40 years to get someone. Yeah. Right. Um, that, that, (laughs) Or that like, if you're in a workplace where it's happening, you can speak up and you're not going to lose your whole career. A powerful man doesn't have the power to do that or a woman. You know, there are, yeah. there are male victims too. Yeah. So. And women victims of women too. Okay. And anything else that you want to make sure you say, I mean, do you want to share that thing that you said you don't like, you said like, I, I don't want to say what he said, that thing he said to you. Um. Yeah, I can, I guess I could. I mean, you, you don't have to. It's okay. It's just, um, it's almost like giving a weapon to them. How so? Well, it's like, I don't want them to know how much it hurt. I don't, mm. you know, I don't want him to know when they, I don't know. But that yeah, like that I, you remembered it? Yeah, just, just the, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I can say it. Um. So how do you, do you want me to go back and how do you want me to? Well, yeah, you just mentioned that there was something he said um, to you that you didn't want to say. Yeah, there was something he said that I didn't want to say. And I didn't want to say it because it's the thing that stays in my head mm. over and over. Like, like, and um, it's a thing that <clears throat> kind of stayed with me over the years. But he said, um, when he had me against the wall after he had, Done after I pulled away and he had said, Hey, you know, come on, I heard you liked me. And I um knew he was angry right after he took his finger. He just like pointed at me and he said, You're nothing to me. And then he, he just looked at me and he goes, You're nothing, nothing. 
And then I must have reacted. And I think he only said it twice. I said, but I, but I just heard the word nothing. Mm -hmm. And, and I must have reacted because that's when he took me by the shoulders and he said, you know, you're okay. You're fine. You're okay. But then afterwards, like it kept replaying in my head. I'm like last April when all that stuff came out, I got really, really sad about it. And the thing that I remember most, almost more than the assault itself was just being told I was nothing. And he was right. That's how people treated me. Mm. That's how people treated me. And I have no platform. I am no one. And to him, I'm nothing. So, yeah. Um, so if people want to know why women don't come forward, that's a good example of why. And I've been trying to get past it, trying to feel like I have spent most of my life hiding from powerful men, be it my abusive ex-husband later or Joe Biden. And I am now at the point where I'm, I just, I'm done like this. I don't want this to be someone else's life. I don't want my life to be someone else's life. And that's a really hard thing to say, Hmm. but I don't want someone to live what I went through because it was hard and it was empty um, with no justice. And I don't want that to be repeated. I want for me, restorative justice would be for someone to be able to come forward um, and have healing. And I know there's a lot of pain around sexual assault. It's confusing, but my mom really was a wonderful person and that she helped me through a lot um, about explaining about it, not being related to sex as much as power. And, you know, um, that was really important because I was able to not internalize that part of it later as I matured. And, um, that's important for people to hear, you know, that are going through this or have gone through this. And the other part, the self-esteem part, that's just, you know, you have to rebuild that. Right. And it takes time. And sometimes it's not a linear process. It's you feel great. And then you don't, you feel great. You don't, but, um, you can't, other people's vision of you can't be internalized like that. So I learned a lot about non-internalizing other people's stuff. And um, it seems like people like Biden, powerful people like that, or just people that engage in that behavior seem very good at deflecting and not internalizing anything. And if you're kind of the opposite where you're empathic, empathic and you're like wanting to help people, if you're an empathetic person, it has a deep effect, like what people say it can really impact you. You know, words are like arrows. They find their mark. And, um, you know, in my case, the words he said to me found their mark. He made me feel like it was my fault. He made me feel like I was insignificant and that I had no power. And I look back at that and I see him talking about running on a platform of character. And I just want to scream. Like, I want to scream, how dare you? How dare you talk about all the things you've done for women when I know who you are, I see you, I experienced you, and that's not who you are. And um, 
yeah, it is just time for all of this to stop. So, you know, people, I'm not trying to say all this and, and people are going to say, well, what come out now? Well, I've been trying and no one's been giving me a platform. So thank you for allowing me to speak on your show. And um, I appreciate that because I have tried. Mm. So, so if people are saying that, don't, I've been trying for a while. Well, thank you so much, Tara. Thank you. Thanks again so much for listening to The Katie Halper Show. You can find Ryan's piece at The Intercept. The Katie Halper Show is produced by Josh Bregman, edited by Ted Reedy, and our theme song is by the band Cordova. 